You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to this week's episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. It's a cruel old game, rugby. Just when we'd managed to nurse ourselves out of the Grand Slam defeat a fortnight ago, we get a weekend like this where all four of the regions crash out of Europe, three of which in uh, in pretty heartbreaking fashion and one absolute hiding for the Scarlets as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's thrown us... Um, Throwing us another, I'd say, almighty curveball. But luckily, Dan Killick is stepping up to the mark tonight, aren't you, Dan? You're going to, um, you're going to be pulling the strings as question master. I am, Jed. I've got a shirt on, a pen in hand, and I'm fully, fully armed and ready. <laughs> I know. Yeah, this is it. This is this is exactly this is exactly what we need on a weekend like this. And the mighty Murph is with us as well. I'm sure he's raring to go. How are you, Murph? Very well, thanks. Yeah. Well, I mean, rugby aside, all's good. Yeah. Bloody hell! I mean. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where to begin. Let's hand over to you, Dan. You, you've got the reins today, mate. It's all your. It's all yours. Steer this. Steer this car crash. Yeah. Well, I think a point that Greg Greg Sherrington made, which is um, it's more of a statement, really, is pro teams need serious help and support. I think that's a nice open ended question there. So, who fancies uh, having a run at that first off? Jed does. I yeah. Do you know what? I will because for all of the. Um, all the maudlin tones on that uh, on that introduction I do think there's a little bit of context with these with these performances that I think we've got to take into account um full disclosure the I haven't seen the full Scarlet's game thank god by the you know judging by the judging by the highlights but I think you've got to take each result on its own and the Ospreys and Cardiff should have won those games. They had them sewn up. They should have put them to bed. And I think the Ospreys, there was enough uh, 
enough experience on that field to, to close it out and they'll be kicking themselves. Uh, Cardiff, ditto, you know, when, you, when you're spending large chunks of the game, it's 14, 13 men, you've got to put the side to the sword and that was a good enough side to beat London Irish, even if 15 had stayed on the pitch. So they will be both be kicking themselves, but it's not like they took a hammering off either of them. You know, they were, I think that's what makes it worse in a way is, is, it, is they were very, very close. Dragons, I thought, played very well and they've just ran out of puff as they have done the last few weeks, actually. They've looked, they've put in some really, really good performances, particularly up until about the 60, 65 minute mark. And then they've kind of struggled to uh, to close things out, which, you know, is understandable. And then obviously Scarlets have just been completely outplayed across the whole of the, the whole of the fixture. But I would say, right, if you took this game, if you if these games were kind of 18 months ago, or these fixtures were 18 months ago, two years ago, when the you know some of the previous coaches were in charge, I, I don't think you know the, the Ospreys under Alan Clark wouldn't wouldn't have got close to them. I don't think uh, you know. I just don't think they were a particularly well drilled side. I think the Ospreys have made have made really good strides, and that's why they'll be kicking themselves is because they had an opportunity to win that game, and I think to be honest, had an opportunity to go on a really good run in that cup. Cardiff, ditto. Cardiff under Mulverhill, I think, would have lost that game anyway. I do think they're moving in the right direction, but that, again, they'll be kicking themselves. So it's unfortunate that two of those have happened at the same time. The Dragons two years ago, the Dragons under, you know, under, under Jackman wouldn't have been anywhere close to giving Northampton a game. So although it's really, really frustrating for those three teams... Um, I still think I still think they're in much better nick than they have been for than they have been for a while. Yeah, they were three. There's three very close games, weren't there? With yeah, Dragons, Ospreys, and Cardiff Blues, and then you've got the Scarlets as a bit of a <clears throat> yeah. That is a, that is a hammering that 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 particular game, isn't it? But do you think it's uh, there's quite a lot of overreaction then? Because I, I mean, a lot of the you know a lot of the the listeners' questions this week are are very much doom and gloom. But as you as you point out there. There's some there's some great rugby on display, and some close games, but 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 of course we lost. I think the three side. I think the three sides in the Challenge Cup are much better than they were 12 months ago, and I think the Scarlets is the is the concerning one because they've got a really good squad, and that's a, that was a really good side out there, and they've been absolutely pasted. So that's the, that's the concern I would say. But again, the the annoying thing is is we see so much. Uh, meaningless rugby in the Pro 14 that it's only when it comes to Europe that you get a chance to see how good any of these sides are really and that's and I think that's the that's the problem is they've all come up short in one weekend but I don't think it's as bad as as you know as as Twitter suggests keen to hear what Murph reckons well it is like in Welsh rugby fans nature to be either completely cock-a-hoop or doom and gloom and uh Especially, you know, in this kind of Twitter era where everyone loves to kick the regions, you know, you've got it's pretty much like a like a campaign against them among certain people to uh, just have a go with every opportunity. Which, you know, I what if you want to whatever, but uh, the Scarlets one, it's difficult to say which is worse because the Scarlets were just beaten within minutes of the game starting. They you could see they were going to get done. Uh, it, and in some ways, that's easier to take than being in front with four minutes to go and cocking it up, uh, like uh, Blues did. Um, but uh, like the Scarlets, they, they're up against Sale. I actually called the Scarlets as winners last week, but as soon as I saw the team sheet with Fafta Clerk playing, 
I did. I I knew that was gonna die on his ass. There were six South Africans on the pitch and two on the bench for sale. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, good for you. You know, but I don't know what benefit it is to. It's high standards of rugby, but it's not. I don't think any benefit to the national team over there. Like Tom Curry's in the side, and Bill uh, Bill Beaumont's son. I nearly called him Bill Beaumont. Bill Beaumont's son, Josh, uh, and uh, McGuigan. I think has had a cap on the wing for him. I can I couldn't pick out any other English players. I mean, there obviously are some, but none that have got any recognition. It seemed to me like load of South Africans who know they're not going to get in the South African team, but are still easily test standard. Mm. And they've all ended up, you know, lots of them, they've spread all over the world, but all, a lot of them have ended up in the sales side. And they kind of just played like Saracens would. Just smashed the, the scarlets at every opportunity. And um, Sorry? Just pure power, weren't they? they yeah, power. and, and i tell you who catches my eye before, I, I, before we... I, Later, I'll speak about the Cardiff game. Is this uh, Aka van der Merwe, the, the hooker? A while ago, he wasn't, uh, well, say a season ago, he wasn't entirely drilled as a hooker. His throwing in was all over the place. Technically, he was not there, but they recognised the athletic ability in him, and he probably as good as any hooker in Europe right now on that performance yesterday. Were you going to say something then, Jed? I was just going to tell Dan to move a bit closer to his computer, actually. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I think I think there's a lot of sense in that, Murph. Like especially what you're saying about it's it's either you know the sublime to the ridiculous. You know, either we need to kill all the regions or they should all be funded. You know, fifty million. I, I just think there's, there's room for a bit of nuance in all of this. And and actually, you do have to look at the budgets. The budgets between the individual regions there's you know that's why the scarlet's result is so worrying is because actually they've got a decent playing budget to be and that's why they have been competitive in europe and they've generally spent that money well and recruited well and mm. we've covered all this a million times mm. the other sides you know that's i think that's the frustrating thing on yesterday's uh, or the weekend's performances is it's not that it's not like um the Ospreys were were beaten by Bath or someone, you know, who you know has got a big playing budget or Harlequins or anyone like that. You know, I think Newcastle and and, and London Irish, you know, my guess is are probably not at the higher end of the spenders in that league. Um, but that said, I really enjoyed the rugby. Like there were some brilliant tries. There was They were cracking games. I would much rather watch... Uh, I mean, I say that now that all of those, all of them stung at the time, but it's so good to watch games that go into the last, you know, go into the last and you don't know who's going to win it. You know, it was just, um, they were all really, really exciting. The challenge cup games. Yeah. The, the, the Cardiff one though. I mean, obviously I'm from this neck of the woods, so I guess I'm a bit biased, but it was so stupid. Mm. I mean, I know they obviously they're young men and, uh, and all this, but, once the penalty was awarded, just to the left of the post, not mm. directly in front, but to the left, sort of, say, 15-yard line or whatever, uh, the only thing you needed then was the clock. The clock was what you had to kill because you knew you were going to be in front. Yeah. Even, even if you lost the ball or got intercepted, or whatever, you're coming back for that penalty. So before you went back to that penalty, what you wanted to kill then was the clock. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, you've killed the game. But as soon as the penalty was awarded, they went straight to uh, Jared Evans and he could have snapped the post. Yeah which meant there was all the time in the world left for London Irish to exploit Cardiff's defence, which had been shite all day. Yeah. There was a, uh, in a few of the games, I'm talking about region, regions now, a few of the games, 
it was defensive shape. It's like as if all teams, I know the weather played a part, but all teams are suddenly playing open rugby all over the place now. And it seems as if, because there's been so much turgid rubbish going on, in, in especially in the, well, across all, all, all the UK, really, that teams have forgotten how to number up and drift. So mm. you you look at the back line when they got possession, you pick your man, and then you you, you just drift as the ball because and they they seem to forget that altogether. And then with Cardiff in particular, it was just straight up missed tackles as well. So, I, the, the Cardiff game, yeah, there was there was missed tackles, but you're right. The the thing that was mad for me is there was ones where you were just running through gaping, you know, they were running through gaping it. holes that yeah. that they weren't even close enough to miss the tackles. No, and and the commentator said that they only only Munster have conceded fewer tries. It's in the Pro 14 season, which had just finished. And um, that was like the kiss of death because all of a sudden it, it, there was massive gaps everywhere. And, and, you know, like in that particular game, there were just straight up missed tackles, but there was also huge defensive uh, shape errors, which caused, you know, spaces everywhere. So, um, I mean, great for the neutral, but mm-hmm. they still, I mean, they still should have won, even though they didn't defend well uh, and all the other things they did wrong. They still should have won. They just had to, if they just picked and go for uh, five more times, that would have killed a minute. Then when you go back for the penalty, you do an Owen Farrell and take a lifetime yeah. to kick it. And then when they when when London Irish eventually kick off, you've got about 30 seconds to kill. All you got to do is catch it, yeah, fall two over. Two phases, bang. Put it into touch and you're in the next round, which based on the form of this game, they would have got stuffed in the next round anyway. But still, you know, they I don't know how it works now, but they've all got a long wait now for the Rainbow Cup. No oh, we haven't. I, this is the mad thing, actually. Is I was looking at it thinking, right, well, what the hell are we going to talk about next week? Because <laughs> there's no, yeah. there's no pro side. There's no pro side. Hasn't got a game for for weeks well, now. I was just thinking to myself, maybe we'll talk about um, Callum Sheedy and uh, <laughs> and whoever else plays for Bristol, but they've been dumped out. As they've well. been dumped as well. Yeah. Shock, yeah. So that leaves Falatau <laughs> and <laughs> Reese Priestland. Not much. Yeah, we'll be. I don't know. Maybe it'll be the time to unleash a bit of the Lions chat. But uh, where where are we heading this week, Dan? You're in control. Where do you want us to go now? Yeah, I just wanted to go back to the to to, to Murph a moment on the Cardiff the Cardiff game. Murph, who was the standout performer for for Cardiff? Oh my God! Do you know what? It's been so much rugby in between then and now. It feels like it was two weeks ago. It was only two days ago, three days ago. Um, there's a nice clip with Seb Davis floating around, wasn't it? Of course, yeah, yeah. But that, that's that's the kind of uh, thing he's had all along. He, you know, when he first came into the side, he's had that kind of um, uh, sort of footballing ability, which is more akin to a back rower than a than a second rower. And it's it's the other side of his game that I I'm assuming he's been asked to work on. You know, the tight work. Um, I mean, it was special though to spot your winger like that. Uh, someone else did it. Oh, Elliot, 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 Elliot D. as well, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Elliot D running that fast. I didn't know who it was. I could, no, I, was, I didn't have, I didn't have my specs on. I was looked at it and I could just about see it with those silly shirts on. I was just about to see a two on his back, and I was like, "Is who's it? Inside yeah. centre? Is it?" I, I, he was yeah. absolutely flying. To be fair, was. I never knew he had that in him because he's obviously normally doing all the tight work, you know. And then he kicks it because Wainwright looks like he's got the pace on everyone, and it bloody goes out. But you know, said Davis, yeah. There must be someone else who caught my eye. I'd have to watch it again now. <laughs> I still got, I still got four uh, championship, Champions Cup games. Is that what we're calling it now? European Championship. Yeah, uh, European Cup games and yeah. and two 
Challenge Cup games on my TV that I haven't seen yet. So, but I have watched all the Welsh ones. I just I just can't remember anything about. Uh, to be honest, it was one of those a little bit like um, be like Wales and the Grand Slam decider. The game finishes, it's got, and you just switch it off and forget it even happened. The problem was, was a little though, bit. Beth, the problem was, was the problem was is I did that on Friday night, and then the same bloody thing happened in the two following games. Like they were like yeah, identical yeah. games. Like the, the Welsh yeah. side takes a big lead, uh, the English side comes back into it. Then they get another big lead. Then they come back in. Then there's some kind of yellow and red cards going on, and then you lose. You lose it towards the end. It was. It was like having to relive the the bloody Grand Slam game, but three it's times. All three games are like that, weren't they? Yeah, with, with the cards and then the yeah. Jed, I, anyone? Yeah. Jed, anyone stand out for you in the from Dragons, Ospreys, Blues? I just want to. Yeah. Who stood out for the Welsh boys? I, and that's the thing is, I think in those in those Challenge Cup games, there were some really good performances um, that are worth looking at. And we just mentioned Elliot. Elliot had a really good game. Uh, Moriarty had a great game for the Dragons, really strong. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Niowin had another good game in the centre. He's really playing well. Jordan Williams had like a really good. Uh, for for so long, he's just been he's been kicking the ball and having the occasional run, and he seemed to make the right decision. Um, most of the time throughout the game, I thought you know it was a good mixture of um, of putting boots to ball and taking them on, and and um, and Northampton did you know did look worried when he was going. So there's quite a few in the Dragons game. Uh, Ospreys, uh, Morgan Morris was outstanding at eight. He's a um, he's a real threat. I think he's got he's got a lot about him, and um, we might revisit this later on in the podcast. But I know we we're talking about kind of development side or you know, who might play for Wales if we have a fixture over the summer. And I think that's looking a bit more likely now, supposedly. No idea against who or where, but if that is the case, I think, you know, given that we've got no depth at eight and Toby will be and Toby will be away with the Lions, he's the kind of player you're going to want to have a have a look at along with along with Wainwright. So there were some there were some excellent performances in there actually. And um I think yeah we've got to have a look at that. I'll tell you what as well, I think you know, we've spoken about him loads on this pod, but I thought Luke Price had a good game for the Ospreys. It was... Um, on his 50th cap. Yeah, he looked a lot more. I think, you know, these last few games where he's been playing, he's obviously recovered his confidence. I think that leg break must have taken so much out of his confidence. And he came back and he played... He had a stinking season when he came back, didn't he? And, um, and I thought, yeah, I thought he played really well. He looked, you know, he looked looked really good um, at getting the back line going and Kieran Williams outside him again is a he's always a threat so there were lots of good individual performances in there it's just annoying that you know if one of those sides had converted the uh, had converted the the leads into a win I don't think we'd be as as downbeat because there's a lot there was lots of good stuff in there yeah some super entertaining rugby then uh, so Rob Thomas is has put this question to you four years ago the Scarlets won the league not just yesterday, but how come the overall decline? Because it's a pretty big one, isn't it? Do you want to take that, Murph? Um, yeah, well, it's, I don't know if it, I mean, they're, budget-wise, they're coping better than the other regions. So I don't know if it is that much of a decline or just the rest of the league moving on money-wise. Which I mean, we're just not, I, I haven't checked what the figures are on players salary budgets or anything across the sides and compared to other um uh, the other countries scotland and ireland but it is i mean even the italian teams have got bigger budgets than we have that's why they get uh, these um tidy uh 
fourth rate South African second rows who are absolutely bloody brilliant playing mm-hmm. for them. We just can't afford those type of players. So um I, I, they've got a good squad though, haven't they, Murph, the Scarlets? They got a yeah you know, a good amount of depth and yeah do they do it better. Well, I think they would against anyone. I mean, it, I think they caught, caught sale on their hottest ever performance. Not ever, but hottest performance under this. Uh, someone, I mean, someone on TV said in the last few seasons they haven't played that well. So probably against any other opposition, they would have been okay yesterday. Not, not necessarily one, but not so badly humbled, if you know what I mean. Um, and I don't know. I, 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 only Leinster in, in the Pro 14 would do that to anyone. Um, so, listen, like everything with sport is it's never as bad as you think, and it's never ever as good as you think either. So the only issue, the only issue now is there's no games for us, mm-hmm. there's no games for any of the teams to show that they're not that bloody useless. So, um, look, yeah, they- we're always they're always as things stand with minimal budgets, they're always going to play second fiddle. It's just a matter of how far second fiddle and. I still think that if we get even close to our rivals, in, especially over the border, if we get anywhere close to their level of budget, we would do better because we churn out much more naturally gifted halfbacks from our academies and backs in general. And I think all, all when the when and if if ever the money comes into this, the salary budgets of the regions, all they need to do is strengthen their uh, front fives and maybe the back rows, and they can. Just to augment their backline slightly and move be competitive with all of them, I think. Not all of them, most of them. So, Jed, on uh, Jed on the Scarlets, there seems to be quite a lot of discontent with the fans, with number of players leaving in the summer, and a couple, you know, big big signings, question marks over the recruit, like the recruitment, coaching's being questioned. They're not happy down west, are they? I think um, I think if you've got a squad that big, you're going to lose players uh, over the summer. And I think, you know, if you look at them individually, I mean, who's going? I think Kasim's going, who I know he's a fan's favourite, but he's, you know, he's kind of had his three years and they've got so many back rowers there that it's no surprise to see him go, I don't think. And uh, a couple of the second rows are going. Obviously, I think that's probably the area of concern because Ball's going, uh, Retriever's, is Retriever going? And... Uh, someone else possibly um so i think that that's probably the area of concern and like we said that's one of the hardest areas to recruit and i don't know whether that's so much the concern i you know losing losing jack moore is a massive concern because he's you know we again we covered this in previous weeks he's just a, an absolute dynamite player so that i think is a concern but i can see look, you i think you said it there, Dan, it is a good squad and they should be, I think they should be getting a better tune out of it. So that leads you to think that the coaching is, um, has not had the impact that you'd, you'd want it to have. And and to go to back to the kind of the decline, I suppose there was the Pivac era where they had that success. The following season was weird because he'd already been given the Wales job and it looked, it must have, it must have affected him because, you know, it's the, the whole kind of lame duck presidency thing isn't it where you know you're on the way out and there's not necessarily that much you can do and they had horrible injuries that season um then you had brad moore for a season just as he's starting to make his mark he's moved on and then you had delaney now for uh for a kind of interrupted an interrupted season so it's tricky it's tricky i i can kind of see i can see why there's a, a bit of grumbling but yeah they've, they've got to do a bit of um 
a bit of shifting around of that squad over the summer to get him in get him in decent nick for for the next season. I mean, I don't know if Pro 14 rugby ever ends, does it? With Pro 14, Rainbow Cup, Pro 16, I think we just we seem to go on forever and ever. But uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely a few a few things that they need to work on. But the 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 biggest concern is is the coaching because if that isn't working, then then none of it, none of the rest is going to fall into place. They want to get Delaney upstairs, don't they? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, great, yeah. Do, yeah. Do you think that's a good move? Or? Well, yeah, I, I would, I would say, yeah, shift him, shift him upstairs, and then bring in, obviously, uh, you know, bring in, bring in a coach. Then the Skinner. I think I don't know. They, for me, they seem to have lost their way in the way in which they're the way in which they're playing. The, the pat, patterns seem a bit off. You know, the, the, a lot of the basics don't seem right, and um, players don't. I don't know. They don't seem like they they really want it. Um, but clearly, that's a this is not a good thing to say, is it? Because they they're obviously professional players. They do want it. They're obviously just not happy with with something, whether it's the systems or what they're being told to do. So I think there does seem to be from, you know, from from the perspective of looking in that there's an issue, potentially an issue there with the coaching setup. I think the other thing that was, again, I don't know how much truth there was in it, but there was that kind of tug of war thing over Dwayne Peel that cropped up a few weeks ago. And, you know, he supposedly, it was a, well, it was a done deal going to Cardiff, but then supposedly Scarlets were trying to hijack it. I don't know how much truth there is in that, but... Again, it leads you to believe that they needed, you know, they they wanted some kind of freshening up in the in the coaching staff. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The thing is, like right right now, it's not going to change now. And you know, we were all we all thought Wayne Pivak was hopeless over the over the autumn, and then you know he's gone and won a championship. So things can change quickly. So it's, I suppose it's now they've got they've got to go out and put together a good campaign in this uh, in this Rainbow Cup thing. Yep. Okay, so here's a bit, here's a bit of a deep one. <laughs> should we take a Should we take a break before we do the deep one? Yeah, definitely needed. <laughs> deep breath. We'll be back after this. Right, you promised us a deep one, Dan. Where Where are we heading? We're going into the depths here. So. Um... Yeah, get the uh, get the snorkel on the diving gear. We're going in. Greg Sherrington is putting this one out there. Do the pro clubs need to break away from union control now to force the splitting of the amateur and pro game? That's hopefully ensuing. They have adequate funding to act, at least to build squads and challenge in the competition. Murph's run out of the room, I think, is he? Yeah, this is definitely a politics question, which is... yeah. Definitely not my forte, and it's definitely more Jed's cup of tea. You're definitely a lot closer to a Welsh rugby club than I am, though, aren't you? So you know, that's a good point. That's a very yeah. good point. I'm quite high up in my rugby club. Well, exactly, which yeah. Is, which is which is not not a very it doesn't bode well for my rugby club actually. <laughs> if I'm <laughs> quite high up in things, in fact, I uh, supposed to be on the WIU website registering new players tonight. Um, because we're restarting our youth team, but um, I, I, it, the thing is, in the past with the regions, they've had money, right? Mm. Back back in the early days, you had the Galacticos and the Ospreys. Yeah, and, uh, there was still money, benefactor money, being pumped into Cardiff, and they, you know, they were, they were signing names as big as anyone else in Europe. 
There was money at the Dragons for a season. Yeah. And they all ended up skint. Yeah. So why, from my point of view, why... I mean, they're definitely going to have... I, I'm not disputing the fact they're definitely going to have to have money off the WIU to be able to be competitive in competition. But why we think business people who've been benefactors in the past... Uh, what was his name at the Ospreys? Demolition guy. Yeah, Cuddy. I think he's he's in poor health now, and that's why he's pulled out mm-hmm. the rugby. But um, they, by all means, pump your money in. But that doesn't mean you know anything about rugby. You may, you know, even big fan of rugby, obviously, or he wouldn't put his money in their mouth. Is but it doesn't mean because you go cash in the bank that you're going to be able to run it well uh, and turn it into a highly competitive European Cup later stages team. It's just you know, in that era, Ospreys were. And there was there were times where they should have gone a lot further than they did, but it was it was at the expense of their bank balance, yeah. shedding money all over the place. So I just like the Ospreys signing of the Manchester City uh, executive guy. That is a good sign for me. Not that he's a rugby knowledge guy, but he's a business knowledge guy or sports business knowledge guy. The, he is someone that I would. Wouldn't object to being given money by the WIU, but other other in in other eras of regional rugby, they've just pissed it up a wall for want of a better term. So, look, I, I am not going to say that something's got to something's got to change in terms of the, the salary budgets for the regions. Otherwise, they just can't be competitive. Kicking them and saying you know hmm. that they don't represent certain areas of the country is all very well. That's, all that's, that's, that's done. If they haven't got the money, it doesn't yeah. matter what, what, who they represent. If they haven't got the money, they haven't got the money. It's and it's you know it's it's a money business. Whatever way you you uh, you coat it, 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 if you can't you haven't got the cash, you can't be competitive. Simple as that. Yeah, Jed, surely the 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 regions are grossly underfunded aren't they yeah i think they are i think i, I think there is a there's definitely an argument to say that they're not uh, you know not properly reimbursed for and they certainly haven't been in the past properly reimbursed for the players that they're providing to the national side and that's the thing that is working in all of this right if you look at it from a top down level right is the players coming through to play for wales are bloody good and we have seen, you know, particularly in the last 12, 13 years, we've seen just loads of truly quality players come through regional rugby and play for Wales, but they've not had a, a sniff of any real success, at, uh, you know, the odd league season aside at, at, the, at the regional level. Um, and the question is, you know, what's the incentive for the WRU to do it? Now, I agree, I would, I would like to see... Uh, you know, a fairer, a fairer reimbursement. Um, but at the same time, I reckon they're sat there thinking, well, this is working for us. Do we want to be like the, do we want to be like the Irish rugby union where we pay massive sums, massive sums of money to the, uh, uh, you know, and, and own, and own the, the provinces and they, and they play and they have huge success, but the national side has probably underperformed considering that success. I don't know, you know, A, the WRU doesn't have that kind of money to, to go down the Irish route. Wales doesn't have that kind of economy to, to look at it. So I just, I, I don't see it happening, to be honest. I think I agree with Murph. The, the interesting thing here is what's going on at the Ospreys. 
because they've gone in the space of two years from almost being folded by the WIU or whoever in that in that supposed um, you know that kind of supposed merger with the Scarlets. They've gone from that situation to having some private investment come in from someone who's got some some serious money. But I think the encouraging thing is this time it's not been a series of Galactico signings because when we had you know when you had Cuddy, you had all those players that we know. And it was it was big fanfare. Phillips, you know, Phillips comes from Cardiff, and uh, you know, Ian Goff, all, all these transfers within Wales. Then you had the Hollers and, and Jerry Collins and all these kind of players. Um, what I think is going on at the Ospreys is stuff they they put, they put that framework in place off the field, and God knows it needed it because eighteen months ago they were they were laughing stock with with all the the rubbish that was going on off the field. Do you remember Dan? We did a pod about. I seem to think we were sat in a McDonald's in. Um, we were sat in a McDonald's in Clapham chatting about this um, and they'd sent Hookie and someone else to a press conference the day after. Yeah. I, it was just, it was just a mess, you know, and and now they've got, they seem to have a structure that really works. Bringing in that Man City guys is, is a very interesting move. Uh, I think the the role that Mike Ruddock has done has kind of basically has drummed them into a bit of shape and said, look, if you want to behave like, like a, a professional rugby club, uh, you've got to, you've got to get your act in place off the field, and whether that's your finances or it's the or it's the the player pathway. And I think they've 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 looked at a lot of a lot of things, and they're starting to get it right. And now you're starting to see a few marquee players coming in. Jack Morgan's a bit of a statement of intent, but again, it's not a 32 year old, 70 caps for South Africa, all black. You know, it's a guy who could be a real star for them for a, for a number of years. So. I'm I'm intrigued by how they're getting on. You know, the dragons scrimping and saving to try and keep things keep things rolling. Scarlets, we've we've already kind of covered on this. And then Cardiff, who knows what's gonna what's gonna happen next. But um but yeah, look, I, I would like to see more money. I think the the realistic thing is money has got to come in from elsewhere. I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna come from the WIU. I just don't see it happening. And I think that yeah, we always come back on this podcast to CVC and the role that they do. If they, if there is some kind of revolutionary, um, uh, you know, upstarting with with how the league system works and and the Welsh sides can get out of the Pro Fourteen, then I think that would that would put them in in much better nick. But um, yeah, but but also Greg's question about the separation of pro and amateur rugby. Yes, they're not the same thing. You don't play. You don't play ten years of amateur rugby uh, and come through and then go on and get a move to to Newbridge and then get a move to the Dragons. It doesn't really work like that anymore. You go through the academy system, so it doesn't make you know. I, I don't want to see I don't want to see community clubs getting getting a short end of the deal. I just think it's a completely different entity to um, to what the pro to what to what pro rugby is. Well, look at the the. The clubs that make up the union all had a vote on who was going to be the new chairman or something. Yeah. We've ended I'm not dissing the guy, but we we've ended up with a former school teacher or something, is he? As, I mean, yeah. he might be brilliant. He comes across quite well, actually. But is that I mean, I don't know. Is that we need to select it? And what and what does he actually do? Like the chief exec of the WIU does all the work, doesn't he? So are we electing a figurehead and I you remember when <laughs> remember when um, you, you see the old boys talking about you know the seventies guys talking about when the Welsh team was selected by committee. Yeah, a committee was selecting the Welsh team, and then they would get together on 
Friday afternoon, have a run out, film on Friday night, then play England away. Uh, that, that was our, our opinion. And that, that what I was saying then about people voting for the chairman of WWE, that yeah. seems like it harks back to those days. It does. It was all fags and fry-ups before the game. That kind of either. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? When, when you've got clubs like mine, who are, you know, old men at table in fairness, and then tiny little clubs who, who you know, I, 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 I don't pick out names, but they've never been very high up in any division anywhere. And they got say over who is in charge of the whole bloody thing. Um, yeah, it just it feels like crusty old guys in well, it's a bit a little bit of Will Carlin's 57 old farts thing, isn't it? But, um, I, I, like I say, po I hate politics in rugby, and um, let's move on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jed. Um, the Ospreys is, is really exciting, isn't it? Really interesting to see what happens there because I think that appointment with the Man City guy. He's obviously, he can see something there, can't he? They've got, they've got a plan. And a big part of it's got to be marketing led, isn't it? It and, is. And, and the guy who, the guy who is, is running the show is a marketing, that's where he's made his money. And um, why, can, why can I never remember his bloody name? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to Google it. It's the, why. Uh, yeah, Yendall Jones or something like that, isn't it? Um, yeah. And he's. Um, brand is like y2 wasn't it or yeah it is um and i think oh the other thing we didn't mention when we were talking about that i mentioned mike ruddick the other thing with regards to it i think toby blue's been an inspired choice as uh, as head coach actually like they just i know they lost that game and they should have won it and actually they had enough experience on the pitch which maybe cardiff didn't have you know they had alan win jones and and tipperick on the on the pitch you know you'd hope there was enough in there to to get them over the line but it's, um, but generally, I do think they're moving in the right direction. Oh, he's um, done a brilliant, hasn't he? I, I think he has. I think they look good. And I think they're probably an outside half away from being, you know, from, from having a really good, a really good league season next year. I think that they're, you know, they're still, you know, Myler's come in and done a brilliant job and been a good, a really good steady 10, know exactly what you're going to get. But after that, you know, it's a problem and God knows when Anscombe's going to play again. So I do think they're a 10 short, but, um, but they're, yeah, they're, they're, mo they're moving in the right direction for me. Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the kind of the, the marketing of it, I mean, you know, I, it's kind of my day job as well, but marketing only does so much because if you've got a crap product, there's only so much you can do. Um, you can do with marketing to paper over the cracks, if you see what I mean. Um, so I think they're addressing both things. You know, the product is getting, you could be the best marketeer in the world, but you're not going to get anyone to go and watch the Southern Kings or, you know, or a side like that who's getting whipped every week. So it's got to be, yes, there's marketing, but you've also got to make sure that your product stands up. Um, but yeah, I, I, they've got, they've got an interesting model. I think they're, they're going to invest, but they're not just investing in in three year deals for players. I think they want to invest in in turning it into a business that can actually show some returns. Because if you just you know if you just chuck a load of money at players, um, and that's the only area where you're investing, it, it comes on it comes unstuck. You know we saw it we saw it first time round at the Ospreys. You see it at clubs like Harlequins as well. You know that it does it doesn't buy you success just by getting. You could have a you could have a much bigger playing budget and still have no success so I think what I've been impressed with there is 
everything you know this whole kind of root and branch let's get everything let's get the whole house in order and like i said it really needed it yeah i think that's the one to watch there's loads of loads of lateral lateral thinking going on isn't there lots off the pitch lots on the pitch and you know if we if we look at on the pitch for the moment you know you know with with, with the outside half signings and the Welsh Union, if you pick an old if you've got an old head in the squad that's going to be there or thereabouts you you you're going to you're going to win a number of games that that you end up losing and you, i think that's true for you know for for a lot of a lot of the Welsh regions really they need old heads in the side that they can turn to when you need either to see out a game or you need some experience at like when it really starts to get a bit of a squeeze on and you know this weekend this weekend shows doesn't it that you know a lot of the a lot of the Welsh sides were 15 20 points up and you just think if there was some if there was some experience on there maybe that would have been a little bit different i know that cut links into funding as well but you can make some clever signings um but i think more often than not the, the regions have made really really poor ones yeah i yeah definitely i think yeah it, it varies from region to region doesn't it yeah we've said before how the scarlets have managed over the course of 10 years or so to unearth players who have just slipped through the net and you know the the tide burns and the jake balls and the asquiths and and even people like Ed Kennedy, you know, they're they're not going to break the they're not going to break the budget, but they will get you through a league season. And I think those kind of that's the thing that I think is frustrating is because budgets are so tight, you have to have really good, uh, really good scouting and and make and make really good wise recruitments. And that does, does that's not always the case. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is all part of like the um, player agent system. You know, if an agent's got a top quality player from Southern Hemisphere or wherever, he doesn't come here. He mm. doesn't come here inquiring over who wants to employ him. He goes to France or he goes to England and says, I've got this player and I'm looking for this much money. He knows that money is not a bit like, uh, I think I can speak uh, fairly accurately about Willis Halaholo. Willis Halaholo had that kind of uh, tearaway lifestyle he was living as a young man. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been at Cardiff. Mm. Because his ability, I think he was in the really successful Hurricane side, was it? Uh, and because of his background, the big money wasn't going to come for him uh, in France, I think. And so his agent came to Cardiff, and that's why he made up Cardiff five seasons ago. And obviously, he's knuckled down and become a fine player. And he's an international player now. But like top flight players are not going to get offered here because the agents know the Welsh regions can't afford them anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that's 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 what I mean about getting the off pitch stuff in order as well. Is it's as important, if not more important, for the regions to have. I, I do. I'm gonna stop calling them regions as well now because, like, it's just it's oh, I'm sick of <laughs> sick of this stuff. But it, that's why as clubs, right, you have to have someone who's gonna who's gonna unearth gems for you because you haven't got that that large amount of money so you can't go and buy you can't go and buy a massive South African second row top dollar because they'll be they'll be done you've got to unearth someone who is who's coming through the ranks or has a bit of an odd story and but they're out there they are it's it's, it's hard but those players are out there and I don't know who it was at the Scarlets who was you know who's, who's unearthing these players but uh, that's what you. That's what you need. You need someone. You need someone who's able to think outside the box and do it because you can't rely on the the players you're getting offered because it's uh, it's just not going to work. And we've seen that. Yeah, totally. So, bit of positivity then. Coming back to the clubs, regions, whatever we want to call them. 
There's some exciting stuff off the field happening at the Ospreys. Yeah. Same at the Dragons. Um, look, the Dragons need to go back to private ownership as quick as they can, really. And again, I don't know. I, I think that's, Buttress has said that's the desire. Buttress, he's, he's, you know, he's up for it, isn't he? Yeah, that's what he wants. And and I think that's, you know, that's the case. But again, you know, I mean, it's it's encouraging on the pitch. And again, I think Dean Ryan's been a great, a great appointment. You know, the, the form recently since that awful game at Zebra has been really good. Uh, but God, there's a long way to go with off, off the field stuff there. The reason the Ospreys have been able to, to move things along is because the new, the new injection of cash has, has enabled them to do it. You know, it's not like they, that's, that's why you can bring in a guy from Man City rather than a retired school teacher. It's, uh, that's the, that's the thing that you've, that, that you don't have at the Dragons. You've got the lowest playing budget. You've got, again, that, I mean, the pitch, it's, it's just not sustainable having three. I know even Newport, you know, Newport RFC aren't obviously playing on it at the moment, but you just can't have that much sport on, on a pitch that's right next to the USC. It just doesn't work, you know. Like uh, it, it was really good that they played at the Millennium for a few games because I think it really, I think it really benefited them having a good surface because they're not. We've seen that they're they're a good side of ball in hand actually, much better than than I thought they were. And so there's all kinds of stuff that needs to get sorted. You know, you've got to sort the pitch out. You've got to sort out. Um, you've got to sort out the the whole commercial structure. How do you bring in new, you know, new sponsors if you're the Dragons? Because it's, you know, you're a side who's going to finish fourth or fifth or sixth in a in in the joke league so it's it's really really difficult um yeah they they need to they need to sort out that um they need to get sold and it needs to get sold to, to someone who can see the can see the potential um but i think it is there like the the thing that's always been there is the kids who come through the system are brilliant there there is really good young talent in gwent and we know that and whether that's Elliot D, Aaron Wainwright, or before that, Toby and and the likes. Um, we know that there are quality players there, uh, but someone's going to have to be able to spot the the potential. And like Murph says, you've got to be a, you know, you got you got to treat it like a like a genuine business. Yeah, you have. I just think some of the yeah the off the field the off the field you know Buttress is a is a good guy. You know, Ospreys have made some good moves. Scarlets have got a good <clears throat> good chief exec as well, haven't they? And mm. And the Blues have made some signings. So I think, you know, hopefully we'll see some some change. And the games were good, weren't they? So um, anyway, moving on. <laughs> Ashley Thomas has, uh, has, wants to ask this question. Should we still enter a ladies team into international competitions if they're not supported financially by the WRU to the same degree as other rugby unions globally? This has obviously come after... France have, uh, have pumped our ladies 53-0. Mm. This is news to me. I didn't I didn't know we were being I didn't know they were underfunding the team. I I it doesn't surprise me that anything's been underfunded at the moment, mind, because the the WIU were in a massive hole financially. Um moving forward, they'll have they'll have to put on a level playing field with the with the other teams if they want to. I mean, they don't shy away from funding the men's team. They got all the latest uh at the training base, they got all the latest equipment like um, uh, altitude chambers and all sorts mm -hmm. going on. I don't know if the ladies get to train on that facility as well, but um, yeah, it's news to me. So I'll have to, I'll have to hand over to the <laughs> resident politics guy, Jed Carly Priest. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you know, I, yeah, obviously, first off, you know, I said before, I don't, I don't follow the the women's game particularly, um, particularly closely. Um, but England and France um, have a professional setup, and so of course they're going to hammer us. Um, you know, that's that's what that's what you'd expect, I think, really. And um, yeah, again, until you're able to to level that up and and be able to. Um, I mean, again, did, I, I, I think we, we had the, the case where um, the coach uh, or one of the coaches walked out the day before the tournament began as well, or the week before the tournament began. So there's obviously something that's, that's, that's really not right there. Um, I, again, it comes, down to, it comes down to whether the WRU see there as being growth in the women's game. And I think you'd be mad not to, actually, because it is, you know, participation-wise, it's growing a lot. Certainly it is it is in England and there's no reason to think why that couldn't be the case in, in Wales as well. If you get, again, if you get that participation from bottom grassroots level up, um, then you can, you can produce quality players and, um, and then it comes down to whether you're prepared to, to put the money into the, you know, into the, into the elite level. But I think, you know, yeah, Murph's right. They're, they're in a, they're in a hole, but I don't think that excuses the fact that, um, that they should be taking the women's game seriously because again thinking with a business hat on it, it's it's an area it's an area that's, that's definitely got opportunity to grow you know if there was a good if, if if Wales were challenging for a grand slam in the in the women's game uh then and again we've seen it with women's football right we've seen um you know seen fantastic crowds there for that game at Rodney whenever it was two three years ago World Cup qualifier against England and you've seen that there is a potential, there is a women's, these traditional men's sports, right? Like football and rugby and cricket and stuff are growing massively in the, um, in the women's and the, and the ladies and the girls sections because they've been completely ignored. But I think there's a lot more people feel more comfortable playing it now and have, and have an opportunity to play it. And again, if you're smart about it, you can think there must be the opportunity to have that at, at the very top of the game because because there's, there's been nothing, you know, they're, they're for, for years and years and years, there was no money in women's rugby, women's cricket, women's, uh, women's football. And you you just need to look at football and see how it's grown and think there is, there is, there is that job to be done in rugby. So again, it'd be very short sighted of the WAU to not, uh, to not invest in the women's game. Doesn't mean they're going to. <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, women's rugby is the only growth part of rugby union at the moment mm. well i think so i mean yeah. broadly speaking yeah i think i think that's that's the right um, thing to assume I mean, yeah my club uh, well we're trying to get our ladies set up going now because i think anyone club wise who isn't paying some attention to women's rugby is going to fall behind because it is it is the growth part of the sport so um yeah we're going to institute an, uh, an under 16s i think hopefully obviously this is all pandemic allowing but um you've i think you've got to is is i think there's been a lot of it covered lately various documentaries where uh soccer was uh the fa banned women's soccer for a long time until about 1970 something it's a lot play. late it's a lot later than you, than you yeah, think, yeah. isn't it you couldn't actually play the sport if you were a female until the 70s legally 
and uh, it's been ignored. I mean, it's, there's a lot of people. My, in fairness, my dad, but then he's in his 90s, so I can, you know, he gets a pass. He complains about the number, <laughs> number of girls who are doing commentary these days mm. because he just, you know, he's obviously a dinosaur and behind the times, but the change is very necessary. They've been ignored in sport for decades, and, you know, it, women's sport is, is being ignored, and also including women in the uh, showpiece events has, has been overlooked as well. So, very, I'm very keen for my club to get going on that side of things. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you only need to look at the sports which haven't been ignored by the media. Um, you know, you look at women's tennis, which generally speaking has always, you know, it's always had pretty similar coverage to to the men's, certainly around the Grand Slams and stuff. And that, you know, the money is there. The money's there from sponsors. The money's there from tournament organisers. Same goes for uh, same goes for athletics, track and field. Right? It's just all. It's always been. Uh, no, no one's ever looked down their nose at, at women's athletics, but I don't know. I think, you know, a lot of it stems from football. Um, but again, I think the encouraging thing is you've seen the, you've seen the growth there and it's, you know, it's massive now. The, and the, the audience figures do really big numbers. And I tell you, I tell you one thing, right? The, the deal that the women's super league, the, the women's version of the premier league has just struck with sky and the BBC. I think any, any tournament organiser from any sport in the UK would be desperate to strike. They've got Sky covering uh, virtually every game across the course of the season, and they've got BBC doing like 24 games for them. So they've got BBC to do all the big exposure, act as like your shop window, your advert for the game, and cover that on, on BBC One and BBC Two. And then you've got the iPlayer doing highlights and stuff. Gives you so much more visibility, right? So people can actually see the sport and see it. And again, you know, whether you're a seven-year-old girl, an eight-year-old boy, 50-year-old bloke, you know, sticking it on and going, do you know what? I watched that Man City versus Chelsea women the other day. It was brilliant. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch more of it. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of deal I think any, any chief exec would love. I mean, God, can you imagine the Pro 14 striking up a deal like that? There's talk we're going to end up on bloody Premier Sports again. So, um, you know, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot to be seen that, that is going right in women's football that, would lead you to think that there's there's the opportunity to do that in in women's rugby. Although, yeah, like I said, I'm not an expert. Yeah, yeah, no, interesting. It does it does seem very short sighted, doesn't? It, if we are underfunding, because I think it'll, you know, the market the marketability of 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 the actual game can you can make a clever sort of sideways move, can't you? Through the through the women's game, and plus it should be it should be done, shouldn't it? It's um, it's just the right thing to do as well. And a lot of the, cl- I think a lot of the clubs that have got really strong um, women's setups, especially at the amateur level as well, have actually got stronger, um, stronger men's sides as well from it. So it all, it's all cyclical, isn't it? It all links in. Um, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's on a purely base level. It's good business as well. Yeah. You put people through your clubhouse all the time. Um, you know, there was a time my club used to run six sides or something five or six senior men's sides obviously participation levels are nowhere near that supporting that anymore so from a business point of view you want to get as many teams we want to get as many teams playing as possible and if that means we've got three ladies sides i'm happy women's sides ah see alan partridge (laughs) (laughs) um okay so yeah reese (laughs) not Oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen this one. And the minute I hear Reese not, I know it's going to be a wind-up. Reese, yeah. 
Yeah, the other Welsh regions focus on the big prize of the Rainbow Cup. <laughs> oh, I did see that one, actually, yeah. Um, yeah. Go yeah. on, Murph. <laughs> I mean, when does he, I, does anyone know the date of his starting? Yeah, I had to look prior to coming yeah. on. I think it's the 24th of April, I think. That's oh, the okay, okay, that's not too far. All right. Well, it, you, you said earlier they, they, they need to have a good uh, Rainbow Cup to, you know, kind of save their season or whatever, but they're all playing each other. The Welsh, it looks like it starts with derbies. It so does. that suggests at least two of them are going to be out on their backsides in no time at all before they get to play any South African sides or any other team. So I don't know what kind of, it's a conference or league format or cup format. Oh, or it's, the, it's the worst. I think the... Conference, is it? It's, it's two conferences, top one side in each plays each other in the final. So, That's right, yeah. So, okay, we, so know, we know we know Leinster will be one of them. And then... Yeah, but, but we're, all, we're all starting with... Derbies. Yeah. So, you know, we know, we pretty much know most of where they stand in derbies. Not always, but most of the time. We want to see them playing against unfamiliar, like, well, I suppose we want to see them playing the, the Bulls and all the other, mm -hmm. the Sharks and all that, but will they even get that far? Or, you know, will they, how many of them will they actually play? So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, like we've covered already, it's difficult to get that excited. Should we finish? Should we finish on this one? Just because you got a little bit of time to go. Like I said earlier, I think there is. There seems to be like there's a lot, a lot better chance of getting a couple of games away in the summer for Wales. So potentially while the Lions are, are away or around that that period of time. Um. Again, we touched on a bit of this last week. If you were picking a side, let's say to face. Um, Right, Japan are over here for a Lions game. Let's say they stick around for a for a test or two against Wales. Uh, should we have, should we have a stab at picking a side for that? If that was if that was tomorrow, Wales versus Japan. This is minus who we think is going to be on the Lions. Minus tour. who we think will be on the Lions tour. <laughs> Dan, you fancy a stab at that? Yeah, go on and let's uh, yeah let's run through that then. You want to start up front? Yes, is the answer to that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what about what about loose loose head prop? I think it's safe to assume, or let's let's say for the let's say for this that that Win Jones is going to be uh, is going to be in the mix with the Lions. He might be. It's going to be a tight call that one. But let's say let's say he is. Who um, who would play loose head prop for you? Either well, of you can tackle that. Well, I mean, there was more than one guy throughout the Six Nations covered. Uh, loose head on the bench so you're just gonna I mean both of those would make the squad uh, uh, Nicky Smith and who else did it Reese Carey on one occasion and there was someone else as well whose name forgets me uh, name's, uh, who's Roger Jones wasn't it Roger Jones yeah I, I'm, I'd probably go for the other two myself that's my preference um, I, obviously on those on those tours you're looking at also looking at some of the youngsters who are knocking about mm. but uh, I don't know but you want a solid foundation, don't you? I think you. I think you've got to yeah. go for a bit of experience in the front five. I'd be looking at Nicky Smith for that one personally. Yeah, Nicky. Yeah. All right, Hooker. Let's again. Let's assume Ken is uh, Ken is off with the Lions. Well, personally, I, I know I know he's, he hasn't commanded his position in the Ospreys team. I, I want I want someone to have at least a good look at uh, Dewey Lake. I mean, there's just, just throwing there's in. so many bloody hookers there, though, isn't there? At the Ospreys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. there's still, you know, there's still Ryan Elias, Elliot D. Um, 
uh, so, but I, you know, none of them seem like they're going to be. Which one of say if Ken comes back from the Lions tour and retires, who do you think is going to cement their place in the Welsh team? I mean, based on the autumn when Ken wasn't there, no one had a good enough game to say that that that, that position is going to be theirs. I, I think I still think there's more improvement on Elliot. I know I'm a bit biased because he was the first player we ever had do an interview with us on here, and he's a he's a thoroughly nice bloke. But I think um, I, I would like to see him get a run get a run with two on his back rather than just sixteen. And you know, again, he's uh, I think what is he about 27, 28? So he's still got a good few years left in him. Uh, and obviously he's got a bag load of experience. So personally, I'd be looking at him. And if this was a game against Japan, which you know wouldn't be a, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an easy game. I'd be looking at I'd be looking at Elliot. What about you, Dan? Yeah, Elliot D. I thought Elliot D. <clears throat> you know, came uh, you know played well, played well during the last tournament. But there are some good, there's some good hookers sort of playing aren't there but yeah Dewey Lake um, unbelievable in the loose isn't he over the ball but he, he can't throw in or he's there's question marks over his throwing in and then um, uh, is it Evan Phillips? Evan Phillips is the one I think has got a hell of a lot about him yeah yeah I quite fancy uh, I'd like to see him given um, given some game time I mean they play him in the back row quite a bit don't they just because there's you know there's a lot of hot, a lot of hookers there with you know with Scott as well so but I, I quite I'd like to see him him get a run out yeah, I mean, there's just there there are just too many hookers at the Ospreys to um, to get a you know for for all of them to get decent game time, and I don't know. Again, if I was if I was in charge at the Dragons, I'd be sniffing around one of them and taking him on a, a year loan next season. Because again, you know, we've been reliant on you know on Richard Hibbard, who's 37, 38 years old. Elliot's always you know he's off with the national side a lot of the time, and then you've got Ellis Ship, who's a lot younger. And and so you know, having someone uh, with a, I don't know, yeah, another another first quality first team quality hooker would be uh, would would be beneficial. Well, that's another story for another time. Yeah, I I, I think someone like yeah, I personally I think Ivan Phillips is the would be someone you could you could put on a bench in an international tomorrow, and he'd come on and and would would really show his you know show his metal. Yeah. So okay, we're going with him, are we? Just for a bit of fun. I wouldn't start him, but I'd I'd have him on the bench. I don't know, Murph. You 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 know a hell of a lot more about forward play than we do. Who, who would you <laughs> who would you who would you pick at hooker? And you can you can have the casting vote. Well, I was just going to say that um, when if and when Ken goes, I think we could have a period of high turnover at that position mm. in the national team, which is not always a negative because whoever get whoever gets the nod to play is going to go flat out knowing that he he, he, he might be his only chance or he, he could be out again quite soon so um i i personally look you, you're going to pick certain kind of established players with a few caps and also you're going to pick in certain positions players you're going to develop and i would go for this one as a development um thing as a um you you know you know you know about elliot D and you, you know about mm. um, Ryan Elias, so I would go for a development case. In in that in uh, and in this situation, that would be Ivan Phillips and uh, Dewey Lake. All right, fair enough. I like that. This is why you don't pick a side by committee, isn't it? Like we were saying earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah, anything by committee if you can help me. <laughs> Tight head again. Tom Francis will be in in the mix. You would think for um 
for the Lions or in there. Oh, it's going to be tough. Anyway, let, let's, assume, let's assume he's out of the equation. Um, who comes in at tight head in this side? I don't, I, don't th- I don't think Thomas Francis would be uh, out of the equation, but I don't think they take him. Yeah. It's more likely because mm. I, don't, I don't, I think there's quite a few tight heads up the pecking order ahead of. Uh, I do, but you're only one injury or one HIA away from sure. getting on the. I, I can't see any point in, after a long season of international European yeah. and, and domestic. I can't see any point in taking him to Japan or wherever we're going to go. Uh, so I, I want, I, I mean, I, I want. Me personally, I think we've got two props who, who uh, fit the fit the bill of international sized front rowers in Leon. Uh, I nearly called him the wrong name, Leon Brown <laughs> and Reese Carey. Uh, and I'd like to see those two developed as our long term. Uh, so Leon would be my three for this tour. Oh yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, I go Leon Brown as well. I thought he, I thought he did well during the um, during the last campaign, didn't he? In the in the Six Nations, and there's a lot more to come from him. What about yeah, in the I, row? Oh, sorry, go on then, Mike. I, I agree. I think he's only just they've got his weight up and different things, and he's he's had quite a couple of what was it? it must be three seasons where he's been involved with the Welsh squad. And um, I think he's ready yeah. to see his reach his potential. Anyway, he I mean, he doesn't. He still doesn't do that many minutes for the Dragons. No, I mean, again, but so often he'll be coming straight out of a Wales camp, back in. So he's either sat on the bench, coming, you know, coming off the bench. But you're right, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. And Ditto Reese Carey. I, I can't remember the last time I saw Reese Carey with one on his back. For he must have more starts for Wales as a, as a as a loose head than he than he does yeah, for Cardiff. I, I mean. I can, I can, I have got no idea why, but I, Dom, Corey Domachowski is playing well, so maybe they just go in continuity. But I can't. When it comes to Reese Carey uh, and being in international, uh, this I probably said this before, but iron sharpens iron. I think I yeah. definitely said that before. And if if he's not doing the hard graft at domestic level, he's not going to grow into the hard graft of international. So I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what everyone's waiting for in terms. Terms of his selection for the Blues, I don't know. No idea. Yeah, agreed. We, we were talking about tight ends. We were. <laughs> we, yeah, see, that's right. Yeah, we got well. Yeah, so we, I think we're all happy with Leon Brown at, at three. What about in the row? That's tricky because we, we're losing. I mean, will 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 Rollins want to go after the season he's had? I, again, I don't think I don't think it's um, necessarily the best move to take him. No, I think if he's had a, a long slog of a season, so we like as a partnership. Are you t- looking to take one senior and one development, or um, I'd like development? I would. And who, who would you say there, Ben Carter? Too young. No, get him out there. He's, he's yeah, the, he's the business. I think is he still qualified for the under twenties? Oh, he might be. You know, I think he. I think he's. He's either 19. nineteen or twenty. Yeah. Yeah. He should still go there, I think. Ben Carter. I I really like Seb Davis. I don't know whether it's a sort of romantic side because he's a ball playing second row, but mm. if he can get the nuts and bolts of you know, the, 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 the nitty gritty, he's got so much, hasn't he? He's got so much going for him, but he just needs yeah. to get his head down. I, I'd love to see him 
I'd love to see him come through because he could be he could be fantastic. But for me, yeah. Seb Davis, you know, that he needs to be believed in. But I also know he's got to help himself as well, hasn't he? Well, he has he has both depth over the last couple of years. Uh, so I, I've I've never paid attention to what side of the scrum they put him on. I think he must be on the loose head side of the scrum. But um, yeah, I think he is. A, I mean, he's a lump of a bloke. There's no reason why he can't do the tight work. But um, yeah, I, 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 there's probably some someone we're missing. In terms a couple of boys of the Ospreys. Um, I mean, Reese Davis, I think, has had a very good season, and he's yeah. he's, pure, he's pure grunt, isn't he? Um, I mean, again, it, I, I think Adam Adam Beard. It's not outrageous to say he might sneak onto the plane with the Lions. Um, I don't think he will, but um, again, it's whether you want to you want to keep him playing because he's been playing really well. But again, he's had a long he's had a long season because he played all through the autumn uh, when he wasn't in the Welsh side. So yeah, obviously he's he's in and around the the mix. Matthew Screech isn't into that. It, it, you know, he's it, certainly a tour like this. You could you could look at and and say he'd get he'd get a job done for you. And again, I think he's one of those late developers who not late developers, but you know, he's certainly finding his potential um, later on in his career. But he's got a very similar career path to to Corey, where he's you know he's had a bit of a wobble after being a, a really good under twenties player. Um, joined the Dragons, had a good you know rediscovered his form, and then. Um, you know, I, I think he's a he's a really good gritty gritty second rower. A couple of good second rows down the scarlets as well. I was just going to say, you could argue they've had a look at Seb Davis already. Yeah. And so people like Reese Davis and some of the youngsters at the scarlets might be better shout. All right then, yeah. let's let's plump for someone, Murph. Again, over to you. Well, Ben Carter plus your choice. <laughs> All right. Um, I yeah, I think Carter and. Carter and Reese Davis, I like the look off together. Who's the youngsters? Is, is, did you, do you have anyone in mind at the Scarlets then, Dan? Um, name his name's mistaken me. The um, I mentioned him. You did oh, Morgan. More, yeah. What's his? Yeah, we need to get Google up. Um, <laughs> I, okay. I, I, I want to say it's Morgan. I want to say it's Morgan Evans. No, I don't think it is, but Morgan something. Um, but he's he's a quality second row. I, I'd I'd be very happy with him in the mix. Yes, but Murph, you make a good point on Seb Davis. Really, has been given a chance, so you know maybe. It's so, yeah, it's not so much that they're discounting yeah. him. It's just they, they've seen him. He's, he's got a few caps already, and depends yeah. how. Like if you're going to take a wise head to go alongside a young head, you probably wouldn't go for Seb. You'd go for Corey. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it depends how much of a development tour this imaginary tour is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this we is... need to make up our minds how much uh, development this is. Yeah, um, it's Morgan Jones, by the way. We should say Morgan Jones. That's it. Yeah, yeah like him. Right. Really, really good player. You know, but... Listen, he's going to get more game time next year because Jake Ball's going, and you yeah, know, he's got he's going to probably get his chance next season anyway. Yeah, um, I would. I'd. I'd never pick this second row partnership, but yeah, I do like the sound of Ben Carter and Reese and Reese Davis. But um, yeah, you'd have to have you'd have to have Corey Hill or someone in there, wouldn't you? Otherwise, we'd be. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think if it's. I think if it's. I think if it's Japan, you probably would, and you'd have Corey Hill in there, and and Corey will probably skip her in the side as well, wouldn't you? You would. Yeah. yeah. But we're going. We're going Reese Davis, so we because it's, it's a fantasy. Yeah, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back row. Oh, this is hard. 
it is hard. Again, I think, you know, obviously, oh, we haven't even spoken about Navidi going off injured. Like, I, I can't even bear, I can't even bring myself to think of it. I'll be gutted if he misses the Lions. Because, I mean, he's, he's going. There's no, there's no way in hell you wouldn't take him unless you're mad. Um, obviously, Toby will be going. Uh, I imagine Tips will be going. Um, I know there's not that many places, but they're all just that good. And Actually, the only one, it depends what Gatlin's got in mind in terms of style of play. Mm. The only one I would say it is, could be over is Tips because you're going to be tackling Evan Etzebeth all day. And you know, other giants, Malherber and and uh, the other guys they got knocking around there. So, oh, it's Peter Steph Dutoy for God's sake. He's, he seems like he's the tallest player in rugby union, and he's playing blindside. So, um, yeah, tips might be the one that could get overlooked only because you've got people like um, Underhill, yeah, Underhill, uh, Hamish Watson. I mean, mm. could you, would you pick? I'm not sure that there's any. Lou said, uh, Lou said, open side, you'd pick over Hamish Watson at the moment for the Lions. So. Not on form. No. Yeah. So, Tip is Again, he might just go because of previous experience. On he, top. Yeah, and he never misses a tackle, although he did on Saturday. I think it's the first time I've ever seen it. But, but um, then, the, 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 it's going to be the hardest defensive work any, anyone's... Yeah. I think if the, the box turn up in World Cup form, it's going to be the hardest defensive job that anyone's had as a Lions for a long time. So right, either either way, you wouldn't take tips on a development tour, or you know, not yeah. even it's a development tour. You 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 know, you give him you give him some time off. So assuming yeah, the would. first choice are out of the way, I still think you go for a bit of experience in there. I think you need. I'd be tempted to look at Wainwright at eight again. Yeah, with possibly Morgan Morris on the bench, or you know, again in and around the in and around the squad. Um, but yeah, I think he needs a bit more time at international level at eight. So I'll be looking at him there. Um, Jack Morgan's probably going to get looked at. There's an opportunity to bring Ellis Jenkins back in the fold. Yeah, that's true. And oh, I mean, yeah, Ross Moriarty probably won't go on the Lions tour. Or would you take him on the Wales tour? It's impossible. It, I mean, the, the permutations are endless, I think. It just it just depends on whether you want to give whether you want to say you know you want to say to Ellis right that's good you've had five six games at the end of the season under your belt go away and rest up for the next season or you you want to keep him you want to keep him playing um, yeah my gut says it's the former to be honest um, but with Moriarty I don't know it's it's tricky again you know he's, he's not he's not really played that much and then again he's he's played a lot since since he's come back and if you go on the development side of it you've got Shane Lewis Hughes. And then, and then the current backup open side, based on fitness, is James Botham. So maybe, it, maybe you should maybe you should do that really, rather than looking at player again. You know what you're getting with Moriarty. You know what you're getting with Ellis Jenkins, which is yeah. players who are both. Comfort- he, he, he could go as captain, like he, he did could. in the past. Yeah. So that's a, I like I say we and again there's a. Um, Probably too soon for Carwin down West Wales. Carwin to mm. well, we've got about three different back row options. They're yeah. all they all look really different, don't they? Yeah. All right, I'm going to ta- I'm going to take the reins on this one. I okay. think you go Shane Lewis Hughes, Jim Botham, and uh, and Aaron Wainwright. Can I do? Not bad, is it? No. Backstand. There you go. 
Lloyd Williams at nine. Of course. <laughs> of course. Right. Uh, oh, God. It's, just, it's, so, so, it's so hard to second guess who'd be on the Lions tour. I know. Yeah. Is Thomas going? I don't think so. I think if any, I think if any of them go, it'll be Gareth Davis. Warburton's picked him, isn't he? As his starting nine. I don't see him touring personally. I don't think he's played enough international rugby to go on the tour. Um, there's, a think... big, there's a big, call, I think a really big call to be made by Warren Gatlin when it comes to Ben Youngs. If he, if he kind of bows to the expectation and takes Ben Youngs, then there's no room for Tomas, I don't think. Mm. But if he doesn't, like Conor Murray would probably be the, based on the form that he's found in the last sort of three, four weeks. Yeah. And then, then, and if you're not taking Ben Youngs, then you're going to look at uh, Ali Price plus a Welsh guy. Yeah. Again, we can't get into the Lions too much now because we're supposed to be wrapping this side up. But I agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah, but it, yeah, but it affects our selection. It does. We, we All right. It. Let us assume then. I've just had this text from Warren Gatland that says uh, <laughs> that says that uh, both Gareth and Thomas are out, are out of action. Let's just, let's work on that basis. Well, our first choice from the start start of the tournament. Um, oh my God, he got injured. Hardy. Kieran Hardy. Kieran, uh, Kieran Hardy. I, I, if he's fit again, I would take him. I mean, I think you do, don't you? He's the youngest of our current. Yeah. You pick him, and you pick and you pick Sheedy alongside him, don't you? Yeah, and, and like uh, probably Ruben Morgan Williams as cover. Yeah. Nice, um, like that, like that. That's a nice, yeah, nice halfbacks. Get him a bit more, a bit more time at Test level. Uh, centers. Kieran Williams needs a cap, I think. I like him a lot. There's a, I think there's more to come from him. Uh, yeah, I will say he got a bit, a little bit lined up by Newcastle on the weekend. Yeah, he did. That's not necessarily, necessarily his fault because it's the way they've used him in the backs. Mm. And I think at the moment you only have to watch about thirty seconds of his highlight reel to see exactly what he's going to do nearly every time he gets the ball, and not just his highlight reel, but probably if you analyse. The Ospreys for more than five minutes, you'll see exactly what mm. they do with Kieran Williams every time. And I think they, for his sake, uh, the kind of long term sake of his career, there needs to be more done with him than what they're doing at the moment. Um, but yes, absolutely on the tour. <laughs> now, I've, now I've assassinated his style of play. I think it should go. What about, um, oh, um, Cardiff, Cardiff, ten or twelve. Ben Thomas. Ben Thomas, yeah, ball, ball yeah. in twelve. Massive call that, but I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him outside. Um, yeah, at least I mean, outside or Jarrett. If his if his outside half play comes on, he's brilliant cover for a 23 in the squad because he mm. he's t- 10 and centre he's covering because he's, he's played outside centre as well hasn't he yeah I think um, so so um, yeah I just think he needs more more regional rugby myself yeah I do as well I'd be more tempted actually to um, to get uh, Owen Williams uh, Owen Williams Owen, um, Owen Watkins sorry I think has, has found has found some form again and I think I'd be tempted to build on that um, again, just we said it before, like defensively, I think he, he offers you the threat of a turnover with those strip tackles. So I'd, I'd be tempted to look at him. Uh, a, bit, a bit of experience in the side. And a bit of experience. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I'd be looking at. Who am I missing? 
Well, I'll tell, I tell you who, who probably do some game time in the Welsh setup is Willis Halaholo. Yeah, that's a great shout, isn't it? There's quite a few. There's quite a few knocking around the squad who haven't actually got many caps, even though even though we're putting out slides with nine hundred or a thousand caps in the twenty three or the yeah. starting fifteen within the wider squad. There's players who've only got a couple of caps. So Willis Halaholo would probably be Halaholo and uh, and Watkin. That's yeah, a good yeah. shout. Go with that. Go with that. I'm happy with that. So hang on, you've kicked out my mate Kieran. Yeah, well, you you should. You're the one that you're the one that uh, shot his game to pieces there, mate. Um, <laughs> well, uh, not his fault in the fairness. In the squad, in the squad, but you're right. I I've kind of forgotten thinking. Well, you know, we know what you're going to get from Willis, but he's yeah. You're right. I think I think getting a bit more getting a bit more game time at international level is no bad thing. Right, wings and fullback to come. Right, Liam, Liam will be on the tour. Uh, Lewis Rees-Samet will be on the tour. Mm. Josh uh, Adams arguably on the tour. As well. Josh Adams arguably on the tour. Mm. Um, which is your, yeah, your first choice back three. You don't take half penny even if he's fit because the geezer's knackered. Owen uh, Lane. Yeah, get, look, I think he. I think he. Not fit though, was he? No, no. he's not. But yeah. It's so tricky because I really want to see. I really want to see him at test. And again, Ashley Hewitt's just picked up another knock because otherwise, I think he's he has banging there on form. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Again, assume those two are out of it. Well, I, there's a, there's a few. Uh, he, he's not a he's not a development guy by any means, but he covers lots of positions and uh, has been in and around the Welsh squad. Is uh, McNichol, and you could argue the same for Alamemos too. Bit of experience covers the whole back three, and um, they're not developing. I'm, I'm really not. I'm really not blown away by Halamemos's form in the last. So since he went to the Blues, to be honest, yeah. I've not been. I've not been blown away by it. And well, otherwise I, you're going for Jonah. Ho- Jonah Holmes, I would have in there ahead of Halamemos. Fair dues. I'm really again. I think he's one of those players who doesn't have enough caps. And he's playing. He's playing a blinder for the Dragons at the moment. I'd have Halamemos. Uh, I'd have um, him over Halamemos. Um, again, I was thinking otherwise you're going to be turning to people like Prothero, which might be too soon for him. Hmm. I, think I like, yeah, I like him. Don't get me wrong, but I think it might yeah. be too soon. It depends who you're playing him alongside, doesn't it? I think you need you do need some experience in there. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, yeah. So I'd say I'd have Holmes in one of those positions, either 15 or 14, and then it's tricky, this, isn't it? Are uh, you in Lloyd? Again, does it? I mean, he's a great player, isn't he? Doesn't have. I'm, much. Still, I'm still not sure we know what position he is. Mm. No, but we can fifteen. Holmes, Holmes on the wing, and in which case would... you probably do. In which case you do probably need an Amos, who's got a few more caps alongside him, don't you? Just to, particularly if he's playing, um, if you're playing him at fullback. We're gonna. It's a beautifully inexperienced side. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a. It's, I mean, this this is exactly why fans so, shouldn't pick the side, isn't it? Just to get sidelined by the Lions again. In this, Murph, what are we going to talk about next week? We no, no, I'm not going to go too deep. Don't worry. But it's just something probably a, something to think about for next week. Is um, we've gone across the backs and we haven't mentioned George North. So does that mean we think he's going to go on the Lions tour as a centre? Yeah. Yeah. You do. Hmm. Yeah, really do. Yeah. Possibly ahead of John Fox. 
Oh, uh, yeah. No, I, I definitely think you go ahead of John Fox. Mm-hmm. I just mean... I actually think he's starting at the moment as well. Like, I know... <laughs> listen, I'm not I'm not trying to jump the gun on next week, but is Tuolagi going to be fit before the summer? He's never fit. He's, uh, never, well, fit yeah. for, he's never fit he's, for very long. Even if he's fit, he'll get injured over there. He's a brilliant player. He's the type of player you take anyway, though, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I think Gatlin would as well. Like, yeah. four games for Leicester and he's in. That's famously, yeah. Gatlin obviously Gatlin picked John Fox and uh, and Jamie Roberts in that test where he dropped O'Driscoll. It's never mentioned that Manu Tuolagi was on the bench, bench you yeah. know. And that so that's how highly Gatlin rates him. He, you know, he is he is a you know <laughs> he's a demon of a player, but um, I, don't, I just don't think he'll be fit. So George is going on the tour. That's like the opener for next week. Then it's George is on the tour as a centre. Discuss. That's it. Uh, discuss uh, it. Discuss it next week. Yes. Not now because we've got no rugby to talk about next week. Um, no. Right. Let's finish. Let's finish. Let's finish this side because I can see Dan. Uh, I can see. I thought Dan. we did. Sorry. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go with that then. Let's go with Yon Lloyd at fifteen and uh, and Hallam Amos on the wing and let's Ashton Hewitt's fit. I think I've gone, we've gone through that team and I feel like we've missed some really glaringly obvious youngsters. Are we really? I'm yeah. happy anyway. We'll text them to each other tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Murph always does this. He'll always drop, he'll always drop a text saying, oh, I completely forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there we go. Right, but do tune in next week because I think I think it's probably time to talk about the Lions, isn't it? So I think we should uh, we should have a stab yeah. at either trying to second-guess Gatlin's side or uh, or at selecting our own. Either, either way will be fun. Uh, so make sure you don't miss that. If there's anything else you want us to talk about, send us a tweet at Attacking Scrum. Uh, a big thanks to Murph, a big thanks to Dan, and of course, a thanks as always to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some top quality coffee, you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, we'll be back to talk rugby with you very, very soon. Podcast Network.